Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Lawson. Now, if you don't know, Rochelle Lawson is a life and well-being coach, as well as an author. She's a mother. She's a podcaster. She started a telecom company. Um, she is just an incredibly friendly and interesting individual who's done a wide range of things, and she's just an incredible guest, so you guys are in for a treat. Now, I'm not going to talk too much at the start, as I often do. Um, I'm just going to quickly say that me and Rochelle talk about quite a few things. There's a part one and part two of the chat. Part two, as always, will be released next week. Um, but in part one, we speak about some of Rochelle's health and well-being practices and what she actually sort of how she got into that, how she started off into nursing, um, some of the negative experiences around her childhood that kind of opened up her mind to alternative medicine. Um, we speak about her daily routine, meditation, uh, what Rochelle writes, the importance of positivity, and loads of other great things so if any of those subjects appeal to you be sure to keep on listening now before we get started there'll be a quick promo by the drive with us podcast i've included a link to them in the show notes so if you like the sound of their promo be sure to check those guys out um and apart from that i'll really be getting onto the show um I'll be back at the end, as I usually am, just to give some more information about part two, um, a bit more about Rochelle and her website, which are also in the show notes, as well as what you can expect over the coming weeks if you are a subscriber or regular listener of Genuine Chit Chat. So as always, guys, thanks as always for listening. Um, I love each and every one of you, and I'll talk to all of you at the end. Boring commutes are plaguing our world, but not anymore. Two sisters, Bogni and Tiranji have taken it upon themselves to combat this problem with the Drive With Us podcast. Join them every Thursday on the Drive With Us podcast as they test each other's knowledge. So you thought you were done with school, but you're not. You're still getting graded. And guess what? We suck. Discover revelations. And today we're going to talk about space. Not space around you, but the space outside of Earth. Outer space. And just plain weirdness. In my mind, if while I'm driving past a car, its windshield wipers go off right after mine do, I think our cars are saying hi. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Go to drivewithuspodcast.com to get your free weekly dose of anti-boredom and help us save the commutes of the world. Drive With Us podcast. Learn a little, laugh a lot. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. So today, I am here with Rochelle. Hello there, Rochelle. How are you doing? Hello, how are you? I'm I'm doing great, thank you. And, um, you know, before our chat, I've been uh, sort of, well, I say researching you quite a bit. I mean, you've got several websites that I've looked at. Um, you've been an incredibly busy individual. You've got a podcast. You're a nurse. Uh, you've got a qualification in um, engineering as well, a telecom company. You've got, you've got so many things. And you're a mother. So you've just got everything like I could almost do an individual podcast for every different aspect of your life you're incredibly interesting so there's a lot of things to get onto. so um I thought we could probably just almost go right almost to the start essentially of what made you essentially want to become 
a nurse. I mean, it, it's a very noble profession and I don't think it's recognized as much as it should be. Um, but I wondered if there's anything specifically that kind of drew you to it or anything like that. So um, when I was a very little girl, um, I wanted to be a nurse, but I was probably like four or five. And, you know, there was some TV program on and there was a nurse and she had a pretty white suit on with a pretty hat, you know, and it was enchanting. But as I was growing up and going through school, uh, I was a pretty decent student. So, you know, you kind of when I when I was growing up, the whole thing was business and um, computer science was just a new um, beginning type of educational experience that they were offering in colleges. So, hmm. you know, I kind of got pushed into um, some other things. And my first undergraduate degree was in communications. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And back in the oh, day, wow. it was like Connie Chung. So, however, that didn't happen. And, um, and lo and behold, I, through some other things and other ventures, I, uh, had this, I was working with a guy at the time and he had told me that he was going to go to nursing school. And, and he's like, you should go, you should apply. You're really smart. I'm like, okay. So I applied and, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting, piqued my curiosity, but I didn't think I was going to get in or anything. And, um, I got it accepted into this very highly competitive nursing program after, uh, you know, applying the first time and my friend didn't even get accepted. Oh, and wow. so as an honor to him, I was like, I apply, you know, I have to, you know, I have to go through this now because it was just kind of like, you know, he, I just felt bad. So I went through it and um, actually really liked it. And I had realized that I had been a caretaker um, probably since the age of eight, taking care of everybody. I, my brother, I had a younger brother who had severe asthma and I would have to take care of him and, you know, just been, it take care of everybody's you know, just helping people. So I've always been a caretaker. And when I got out of school from uh, my nursing and got my license, uh, the only thing that was open and available was to work in the emergency department. Well, I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse. I wanted to deliver babies, but there was no openings. And so I'm like, I have to take a job where there's a job. So when I worked in the emergency department and realized I absolutely loved it, I worked the night shift, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. I absolutely loved it. I got all varieties. I got newborns that came in there to, you know, a, a very old elderly people. Um, everything was different from, you know, dealing with people that were having cardiac issues to respiratory issues to gastrointestinal issues to uh, uh, being able to deliver babies. <laughs> And so it was really cool. And I worked with a bunch of guys. I was the only female RN on the ship and all the rest were guys. So it was really cool. We had a lot of fun. Um, and that's kind of how I discovered that I liked nursing and I was really good at it. I'm a really good nurse. I'm really intuitive. And uh, I think that just happened to be, you know, one of my gifts with regards to uh, what I'm supposed to do. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, with being a nurse as well, it must be the amount of people you must meet and all the different faces and all the different people, that must be incredible of just interacting with such a huge birth of people. Cause like no matter how one views themselves, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, gender, race, religious views, everyone at some point for one reason or another does either get ill or has someone who gets ill and has to go to a hospital. So you must come across such a wide birth of people there. Yes, I do. You know, um, I'm no longer in clinical practice per se, but, um, 
I, I practiced, I was a nurse in the Silicon Valley. So imagine, you know, the evolution and I became a nurse in the late eighties. So imagine the evolution of, you know, the whole Silicon Valley as it was when I was growing up there. And then when I became a nurse and, you know, throughout the transition of my career and how it is today, you know, there's this huge influx of just all these, you know, very wealthy people coming in. And I worked for a pretty prestigious hospital organization. So I did get a wealth of people. Uh, but I also would moonlight, so to speak, at uh, uh, trauma centers. And trauma centers tend to be more of the county type of facilities. And so you get, you know, the homeless and the downtrodden and the lower socioeconomic people. And then you also get, you know, higher socioeconomic people. So it was really, really interesting. I loved it. And my whole thing was um, my job was to take care of the person in front of me as best as I could at that moment in time. I couldn't predict what they would do when they would leave. And I didn't care about what they did when they, before they got there. It was just while they were in my care, it was my duty and my job to make sure that they had the best care I could possibly give them. And that's just kind of how I rolled with everything. And you can hear immediately from the way you're talking about it that, uh, as you say, it's almost like uh, you were almost meant to do it in a sense, especially with your sort of younger brother and things. And, and that leads very nicely on to essentially what you're doing now. And I'm going to completely ruin it if I try and say it. Um, <laughs> so if you want to uh, say essentially uh, many sort of the uh, – you know, blissful living for you and that sort of thing, generally sort of what you're doing with yourself now, what your true uh, kind of passion is in that regard? Well, my, um, my passion is really helping to educate everyone about how they can be healthy and well, holistically and naturally. And when people think about their health and well-being, believe it or not, it's not very high up on their list. It's not a priority for most people because we take it for granted. It's when you become sick and you become um, inflicted with a disease process, so to speak, that you begin to understand how important and the value of your health and well-being is. And remember, I said I worked in Silicon Valley, so I've had a lot of uh, CEOs of various influential companies, um, as well as just other executives that would come in for whatever reason and would tell me, and some of them were really sick, and they would tell me, I would give all my money to you if I could be as healthy and well as you. And so I got to thinking of that. And because of my own health and wellness journey, um, I know the importance. And so I say health and well-being is your greatest asset, but it's not just your mind. It's your body and spirit. And they all have to be in balance for us to have this um, essence of radiant health and radiant well-being, so to speak. And so my passion is to help educate or as educate as many people as possible about how they can do that, whether they're healthy and well now, whether they can sustain it and build it as they continue to age or learn how to stop the aging process like me, <laughs> or um, if they have a disease process how they could work with their disease processes, doing certain things to make them feel better and potentially help lessen the effects of the disease and give them longevity in life. And so that that's really a passion for me. Um, and I see so many people taking their health and well-being for granted. I've been at conferences where I see people spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a wish, a dream of having a business or marketing their business to the hill or whatever. But the same people will not spend $500 on, 
you know, something that can help them to stay healthy, well, and fit. We have a huge obesity problem here in America. And um, when I see that kind of stuff, it just breaks my heart. And then the other thing for me is it's, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a blessing in disguise, I say, is that I can see health and wellness in, in, in people. I can see how healthy and well they are or how healthy and well they are not. And, uh, and because I have that gift, um, that's, I think, believe, a belief in mine that, that is what made me a really good nurse in the clinical setting. I should say a fabulous nurse in the clinical setting, <laughs> but also a fabulous um, holistic health and wellness expert because I teach people how to incorporate all of those holistic principles. And I practice the, the um, holistic medicine Ayurveda, but I teach people how to incorporate those principles, not into just their health and well-being, but in their mind, utilizing um, the principles to help develop their mind so that they become unstoppable and have success and attract what they want and uh, really have a peace and calm and balanced mind. And then also how to take those principles and elevate their, uh, their wealth and, you know, the money we make, we want to keep, we don't want to give it to the government or have it blown away. And so I teach people how to use those holistic principles as well to keep the money they make in their pocket and to let that money become more money for them. So that's, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, one of the things that you touched on there, obviously, was the holistic side of things. And um, I know that I, I think I saw on your website or uh, somewhere along those lines that um, one of the things kind of started you off more looking at the uh, alternative medicines, the holistic medicines and things was um, you had a stomach ulcer of, of sorts. And I wondered if you'd uh, be able to elaborate and tell us a little bit about that and how it kind of helped uh helped you see the sort of more eastern medicines and things uh the sort of alternatives for sure i love sharing this story because it is very near and dear to me um i was sick for 17 years and um it started at the age of eight and it transcended for 17 years so you can calculate how old i was when i figured it out but i had been going to doctors um and it's kind of started, I just would have stomach aches. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you're, you know, back then it's like, oh, sit down, girl, or, you know, whatever. And then, but it just, they just kept coming. And so my grandmother, my maternal grandmother would make me a ginger tea. And that was my first experience with holistic medicine, so to speak. My you sister-in-law know, ginger, does something similar. Yeah. You know, ginger is good for nausea and, you know, tummy disturbances and heartburn and things of that nature. So it would soothe me. But as I started getting older, um, the pain in my my stomach, abdominal area increased. And um, I was going to doctor after doctor and they were so quick to give me a prescription, but no one could tell my parents or any of us, even me, they couldn't tell me what I had. Um, and so that went on for quite, quite a few years. By the time I was a teenager, I had started, you know, I was just tired of being sick, but I had uh, started doing things like if I ate something, say if I ate, um, I like tea and I know you're in the UK and I, I'm a, I'm a, I should be, <laughs> I should be a UK citizen, so to speak, cause I love tea and you know, all that stuff. So I would, uh, and it's probably started with my grandmother making me that ginger tea, but, um, I would, uh, you know, eat something. So I would have a, I'm going to say like a sandwich, you know, turkey and 
cheese or whatever in bread. I'd have a sandwich today and I'd be okay. And I have the exact same sandwich tomorrow and I'd just be in just unbearable pain. And the thing about it was no one ever knew because I was, I got really good at hiding it because if you go into doctor after doctor and doctor, pretty soon your parents are thinking you're faking or you're crazy or so you, you hear these things and you just kind of internalize it and wouldn't share anything. So I stopped eating fast food. Um, that was the first thing I started. I was a teen, you know, everybody's fast food with their teen. Well, I stopped eating it because every time I ate it, it made me not feel good. And then I started, I was a type A personality, very highly competitive, only girl in my family. And so um, I started doing like little meditation stuff, but I didn't know what it was at the time. I was just doing it because it kind of calmed me down, cooled the fire, so to speak. And they helped me stay focused on whatever task I was doing. And, uh, and just started doing all kind of little things like spending time out in nature and I wonder why I like to be by the water and just all kind of stuff like that. So I had the 17 year process, but as the years progressed, the symptoms got worse and worse. And when I would go to the doctor again, quick to give me a prescription, but could not ever diagnose anything because my blood work and stuff would come out normal or slightly off, but not enough to warrant any type of specific illness that was going on. It wasn't until I became a nurse. Now I had been doing these practices for quite a long time of not, not eating fast food, trying to eat the best food I could possibly afford, uh, you know, not drinking alcohol, um, you know, doing all meditating. Um, I started doing detoxifications on myself, you know, I'm doing all these, you know, holistic things, utilizing herbs and taking herbs and, you know, giving myself these herbal facials and giving them to my girlfriends and they weren't getting acne either. Just, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't until I was already in nerves and I was really, really sick, really, really sick. Um, but I still kept going on faking it that I was meditating one day and got this download of nine things, nine succinct steps that I needed to follow that I was already doing all this stuff, but it was put in a systematic order for me. And I did that and I did it for a couple of weeks and I started feeling better. And then I continued doing it. You know, it's like you working out and you start getting a little muscle and you're like, Oh shoot, I'm starting to look a little bit fit. Let me work out a little bit more, you know, right. <laughs> right. And so I kept doing it and I kept sticking with it. And each month that would go by, I felt better. I, I would look at myself and I looked better. I was waking up and I wasn't having a, I wasn't sick. I wasn't sick to my stomach. I didn't have the burning sensation in my gut. Like, you know, um, but it just, it just started getting better. And by the ninth month, I realized one day I was like, I don't feel sick at all. I haven't had any abdominal pain. I, you know, I've been able to eat this today and eat that tomorrow and, and no, not, no sickness. And I just looked radiant and, and it was, and it never came back. And by the time I discovered what I had, I was already in nerves and uh, realized that I had had a bleeding ulcer. So when I put my signs and symptoms together as to what I was having, I was having a bleeding ulcer. I mean, uh, literally the ulcer had penetrated. Now, the funny thing is when I tie, like what caused an eight-year-old to start having all these symptoms in her digestive system. I realized that I had experienced four very traumatic stresses when I was eight. And this is the thing that people don't realize. Stress is our silent killer. And we will ignore it, discount it, say we're not stressed because it, we, we go along with it. We operated in so, so much that it's almost like, it's, it's almost like how our cell phones back in the day, probably before you were born, 
Nobody had a cell phone. You had a landline phone in your home and you were good, right? Now, today, people cannot leave their house without their cell phone because what'll happen? What might, something might happen if I don't have my cell phone, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's how stress is in our life. And so the four things that happened to me uh, that was very stressful for an eight-year-old was on my eighth birthday, number one, I was having a big birthday party, turned eight, and uh, walked outside, opened the front door to go play outside with my friends. And my beloved German shepherd was lying there in a puddle of blood. He had been hit by a car and he was dying on my porch. So that's, oh, that's stress number one. Party ended. I'm crying. You know, yeah. stress number two, two, two months later, my beloved grandfather, who I spent a lot of time with, died of a massive um, stroke heart attack. So stress, you know, number two. A couple months later after that, my parents... Uh, announced that they were getting a divorce. Wow. So we'd be separated families. So that's stress number three, right? And then the stress number four was, I was a eight-year-old thinking I was going from second grade to third grade, but it's in being on, with all my friends, but instead I was an eight-year-old going from second grade to fourth grade to a whole new different school where everybody was at least a year and a half, sometimes two years older than me in my same grade. And I was bullied my whole fourth grade year. And that is when I think the symptoms started started uh, prior to that. But that, year, that experience of being bullied, that whole fourth grade year, my symptoms just began to go through the roof like gangbusters. And the thing is, I never told anybody this because I didn't, you know, I never told I was being bullied. I just was just going through, I just, this is what kids do, right? But it wasn't until I became healthy and well that I started backtracing what caused it and it was stress and those four stress inducers for an eight-year-old and stress attacks you at the weakest part of your body. So some people is going to attack their digestive system. Others is going to, tar- you know, attack their cardiovascular system and still other people it might attack their endocrine system or the respiratory system, but it's going to attack whatever it feels is the weakest part of your body. And once it does that, it's already set up a precursor for imbalance. And when you have any imbalance, that just is like a, big door opening for any illness or disease to come in and, and manifest. And so, um, again, that's why it's, it's such a passion of mine to educate people as little things you can do to, to be healthy and well, or turn your health around or, you know, live a fabulous, healthy life so that you really can live the life of your dreams. Cause that's what we're really here to do. But we put too much work and effort into <laughs> other things that really aren't you know, meant for us to live the life of our dreams. I completely agree with you there. I mean, it's, it's one of those funny things where, you know, we, we work so hard to be successful, to do this, to do that. But then a lot of people don't really look inward to try and help themselves. A lot of people don't sleep enough. A lot of people don't eat well. A lot of people don't exercise enough. And there's a lot of factors which all... If you maybe don't do one of them, you can probably maybe get away with it if you do everything else fine. But usually when people don't do one of them, it's often almost like a domino effect. You don't sleep enough, so you're more stressed, so you eat more that's not as good for you. And then you're so stressed and you're eating loads of rubbish food, and then you don't really feel like exercising much, so you don't do that as much. And then it just becomes this thing, and you're oh, I'm way too busy to meditate. And then it becomes this thing where you don't actually do any of these things that you should really right. be doing. And um, I want to ask about um, meditation because um, I've had two, under, two other individuals 
individuals on my uh, show who I'd class as successful individuals, um, authors as well, uh, CEOs, and they both um, seem to do two things. And one of them was uh, sort of lists and to-do lists, and the other was meditation and or mindfulness. So I want to ask you about sort of both of those things. I mean, meditation and mindfulness, obviously you said you were doing that without almost knowing it when you were younger. Has that been quite a, a big thing for you for, for from then till now? Is that quite a key part of your day? Yes, it is. It's there's there's a couple things that I do um every day. Um I meditate every day and I read every day and I write every day. <laughs> just like being in school, right? <laughs> <laughs> but just I'm just missing the arithmetic. <laughs> but um uh for me, meditation has just been so valuable. And and here's the thing. People think, you know, that they have to sit somewhere quiet and, you know, have 20 to 30 minutes to an hour to and meditate and basically de- detract from the world, right? And I'm telling people, yeah, you can do that if you've got time, but you don't need that much time to meditate. You can be sitting in traffic in your car and meditate, not so much as how we think of meditation with our eyes closed and we're like tuned out, zoned out in the world, but you can sit in your car and do um, such as, you know, practice deep breathing. You know, people get road rage. I don't know about where you're at, but over here in the States, people, get, especially in Silicon Valley, that I, I'm just going to talk about my experience. Um, you know, there's road rage incidents that happen because people get so pissed off because they're in traffic for hours trying to get home from work or trying to get to work, you know, and they're stressed behind their cars. And, you know, just take a few minutes. You doing all that stress and it's not going to make traffic move any faster. 100%. Right. So take the time to just sit there, do some nice deep breathing or, you know, another form of simple meditation is, you know, turn on your favorite radio station or put in your favorite CD and just crank it up and pretend like you could sing like that person you're listening to. Right. (laughs) But it takes you away from the stressful moments. And that's a form of meditation. Of course you can do the more traditional stuff. Like I'd like to do as well as, um, you know, um, you know, finding a nice quiet spot and, you know, having my candles lit and, you know, whatever, and closing my eyes and doing a real traditional type of meditation. But if I don't have time to do all of that, I definitely meditate and I do some form and I may not do it for an hour, but I'm definitely doing it for at least five to 10 minutes. And I might do it multiple times in the day, five to 10 minutes, which probably adds up to more than an hour. So very instrumental very most highly successful people from athletes to CEOs do some form of meditation. Um, You know, athletes do their form of meditation to prepare their mind and their bodies for what they're going to do physically. You know, CEOs do form of meditation to prepare their minds and their bodies for what they want to do with their companies. You know, what they want to put on their to-do list becomes more visualized or more apparent when they meditate. You know, Stephen Jobs was phenomenal with his visionary stuff. And I'm sure that he did a lot of meditation and he may have did it in the traditional way or he may have not done it in a traditional way. But his visionary ideals, his visionary realm came from some type of meditation. Get, just getting quiet with yourself for a few moments can be so profound in what you do in your day. It's amazing. Oh, I completely agree with you there. I mean, I personally, you know, when I was a bit younger, if you'd have said to me, you know, when I'm older, I'd be meditating. You know, the first people, the first thing people hear when they go meditation, they go, 
what meditation <laughs> you walk across your legs sit in the garden and go om for an hour so no it's as you say you know you can do it in so many different ways <laughs> exactly, yeah there's so much exactly. stigma to it and it's like you can do things in so many different ways and i find that the best time for me to meditate is actually before bed and i just like to i lay dead straight down i, I can never sleep um, while meditating which is quite good but i just lay down i make everything completely not move at all and i focus on my breathing techniques and then you know thoughts come into my head and i basically just look at that thought objectively and goes that a positive thought a negative thought whatever and visualize brushing it aside and i just do that every night for five ten minutes whatever and you know it really really helps me and i find that if there's a time i'm too busy air quotes too busy and i end up not doing that i do generally get a bit more stressed about things and and sometimes it's it's hard to to drown out the noise of everything i mean obviously as you say you don't have to meditate in silence but one's own mind is like a machine that's always kind of going and sometimes you just need a moment to kind of stop it and go right what why am i doing this you know what's what's actually going on it's very easy to kind of look at everything else and not look inward but looking inward is one of the most important things an individual can do and that's a lot of what you're really pushing forward and that's one of the things that um is incredibly interesting and one of the things that makes you such a a interesting person to speak to and it's (laughs) i I want to ask as well um with yourself with i mean uh, there's so many things to cover here so i was going to kind of dot around here there and everywhere Um, i want to ask you about obviously you you write every day um do you do is that are you writing a new book do you do sort of gratitude uh, gratitude journals do you write poetry is there anything specific that you you do and leading on to that i want to ask uh, about your books as well okay um so i try to write 20 minutes a day um i I could easily write more but you know have too much stuff to do right so (laughs) i limit it to 20 minutes and it encompasses some of everything you know one day i'm you know one i'm writing my uh, uh, gratitude journal what i'm thankful for um another day i might write in just my regular journal and it could be anything from what happened yesterday or how i'm feeling this morning or what i want to do today or um my analysis of an experience i had or a dream or you know a vision or a goal it, it, you know my journal is just kind of free for all and then um another day it might be you know, working on a specific part of the next book I'm writing. It's pretty much is for me, when I wake up, it's like, what do I, you know, what am I going to do today? And mm. it just pops in. Okay. You're going to do, you definitely meditate, but you're going to, do I feel like being grat- gracious? Do I want to write gratitude or do I want to be free for all? Or do I want to, you know, be more constructive with the book process and I, whatever pops up first, that's what I do. And some days it might be consecutive. I'm just doing free for all journaling. And then some mm. days it might be consecutive where I'm writing for, you know, the book. And some days it might be just funny stuff, you know, or blogging, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. But um, it allows me um, a sense of freedom of self-expression. And um, some things I show, you know, obviously I publish and other things when I just need to get stuff out, so to speak, mm. you know, I don't show that. <laughs> I can completely understand. I mean, when I was in college and things, I mean, my um, just uh, I probably should have told you this before recording. It seems like almost like a bombshell, but I talk about it quite regularly on the podcast. Um, my father passed away uh, nearing six years ago now. Um, so, and around that time, he got ill with uh, cancer, and then he was um, you know, he was ill for quite a while, eighteen months, and then passed away. And I found around that time that writing a journal, not even necessarily about that. I, I look through the journals now, and I barely even mentioned my dad at all, but. Being able to just kind of process one's own thoughts is, is so important. And one way I describe it as an analogy would be 
the way I see it anyway is in your mind every thought you have is like um, it's like a lava lamp but it's a different colour wax and it's all kind of amalgamating and being this big blob and sometimes it can be you're trying to look at what you're thinking about and you've got about a hundred different colours all kind of mixing into one and you, you really can't focus on the thing and I find that either by meditating or by writing things down or even speaking to other people about it it kind of translates that thought from this lava lamp wax thing into you actually know what you're thinking you know so many times you can you think about something and you're kind of you're not even thinking in language you just kind of know and then when you try and articulate it to someone you, you need to take a moment to really understand what you're even saying and just translating that into the language in which you speak makes it easier for you to kind of read yourself so i think that journals and meditation those sort of things can be really helpful almost purely translating your own thoughts for yourself to to understand if you know what i mean yeah so like with lava lamp that's the my random lava lamp analogy and uh, it's funny you mentioned about the journal as well because um gratitude journals uh, i've spoken to other individuals who've got those but once again success successful people there's journals about what they've been doing throughout the day there's journals of gratitude they, they do have a wide berth of things that they kind of they write with so it's it's very obvious to any people who listen to the show regularly and also to myself who's involved with the show regularly or every time is um <laughs> is if you are there's these common threads of success and individuals who are not only happy with themselves but also are wanting to help other people and have this uh, positive vibe you know this energy of just positivity and i mean i don't necessarily believe in karma per se but what i think is that if you are just generally a nicer happier friendly individual people will reciprocate that mm-hmm. and, and that that alone is just what one should really strive for i mean i was as a turning point it was once again around the time sort of dad got ill and just after he passed i i wasn't a bad person by i wouldn't say any stretch but i could be at times selfish and a bit uh self-involved and things Mm -hmm. and after that i kind of was like you know it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me but it's the best thing that's ever happened to my character you know and it just made me really think of maybe i shouldn't be so awful to people sometimes because (laughs) anyone can be going through anything you know it's just like maybe you know maybe i shouldn't be such a dick sometimes <laughs> it's just like yeah that's probably a good shout maybe i'll start doing that and as yeah. soon as i started doing that i was just nicer to people and tried to put myself out there a bit more for people help people move or they've got something they really want to help with for me to read over something of theirs or anything like that when you do that even if it is you lose time you know helping someone move that day or whatever the the net gain of it outweighs the time you lose by so far and that you've spent your essentially your life not only just obviously when you're a nurse but also everything that's come after that it it shows that you know your sort of wellness is i imagine a lot of it part to just being a good nice person i mean obviously all the other things as well you know health and that is is very very important but just that positive energy and that positive vibe i mean have you always had that sort of uh that outlook or since the uh the ulcer and things or has it been sort of more of a progressive thing uh oh my goodness so I did tell you that I was a type A, you know, perfectionist type of person. I'm still <laughs> <feel> that, that. <laughs> way. I, I've just, uh, you know, instead of being all over the place outside the box, I've contained, I've learned how to contain it. Well, you know, I've got uh, quite a few years of practice. So when you, I'd laugh at you when you said you used to be kind of nasty and you could be a dick to people because I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. I used to be kind of a sharpshooter and I could be kind of a dick to people too, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, but it goes along with my unique body type or the kind of person I'm, I'm a person and we call it Ayurveda. I'm a Pitta dosha or Pitta, Pitta body type. And so I'm full of fire. Um, and so it doesn't take very much to overheat me. 
And so because I know that and I understand that now, um, I try to, you know, most often try to put myself in other people's shoes. Sometimes I just can't because it's the stupidity <laughs> of this of it, or I just get irritated to the, you know, or it could be PMS and I'm not going to blame it on PMSing, but it's just, it's just me. Right. But, um, I could totally, I could totally relate to that. Um, the positive thing is the funny thing is that, yeah, there's been people that's been around me for a long time, you know, old time friends that, you know, would say, God, you, they would say, you are so mean, but whenever they wanted something to be handled, fan, friends and family, who would they call the mean girl? Right. I get that. I get right? that as well. And I became yeah. the, you know, I became the, I, commander in chief when it came to handling everybody's issues that they could not handle. It was okay for me to be mean then. So I started thinking about that and I'm like, okay, I had a situation where someone um, had a, a very traumatizing experience happen to them. And I witnessed this and the person, she actually bumped into someone or something and the person just went 5150 on her. And, you know, um, the girl went out and uh, uh, tried to commit suicide. And it was kind of like that person that went off on her kind of pushed her over the ledge, so to speak. But what no one knew about was that uh, she had just was coming down from her doctor's appointment and had just um, been told that she had a terminal illness. And so, you know, for her to be upset and not paying attention to where she was going and to just accidentally bump into someone and this person to go ballistic on her, it was like, oh my gosh. And when you find out the whole story of it, it was like, oh my gosh, you never know what someone has just experienced before their encounter with you. And I saw a movie and I can't even think of the name of the movie, but it was a similar situation where this girl is having, she's just trying to take care of her kid and all this stuff's just happening to her. And um, it was like, oh my gosh. So when I thought about that, it was like, you know, I'm going to try to exude as much radiance and positive energy as I possibly can. And I wanted to teach that to my kids. And so um, I just would do that. And then I became this person known around my kids, friends is like, oh my God, you know, I, believe me, I keep it real but I, keep, I can keep it positively real, right? Um, mm. But they wanted, you know, with, you know, girls would break up their boyfriends. They wanted to come, you know, have me talk to them and they feel better. I'd be at a conference and, you know, people would say, you just walk into the room and you just got this glow around you. you just, and then they would talk to me and it's just, I'm just positive, right? Because for me, it's like, I'm on my path to bliss. I'm only, I only get one shot that I know of this time around. And I've, I want to make things as positive and as easy as possible for me. I know what it is to struggle. I know what it is to be sick. I know what it is to, you know, not feel well or be in situations and circumstances that don't make you happy or, or whatever the case is. I know what people go through when they've been told a loved one is dying or a loved one dies. And I, I know that. Right. So why make somebody's day miserable if I don't have to, if I could share a positive word with that person, you never know whose life you may turn around. If I could have talked to that girl before she went and did with, you know, and give her a hug or whatever the case may be, I could have possibly changed her from making that attempt to end her life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like you never know whose life you may change by, the, by sharing a positive message or sharing something positive with them. 
you never know. And you may never know. But believe me, you're changing so many more lives by being positive than by being negative. And that's just the way I look at it. So, of course, you know, people see me and they're like, oh, my God, you're so positive. Or I, you have this radiance. And, and I'm just look, I, I look at them like, you guys must be crazy. Because <laughs> I don't see what they see. I just see me being me and standing in my own light because I want to make my journey to bliss as easy as possible for me. And it's, it's a little selfish, right? Because that's my goal. But if I could be a little selfish by being, you know, taking the, the opportunity to be positive with myself so that I could be positive with others, then I'm going to be selfish and do that. Because again, <laughs> you never know whose life you may change just by saying something positive to that person. I 100% agree with you there. And I mean, <clears throat> throughout my life, I've um, always... I only noticed it a couple of years ago where I've inadvertently surrounded myself with individuals um, who have mental illnesses. All all my best friends, Mm -hmm. uh, well, like two of them have either got bipolar or severe anxiety or depression. And a couple of them have unfortunately, you know, like your friend, tried to take their own life. Mm -hmm. I mean, none of the individuals that I know that are very, very close to me have done that, uh, fortunately. But, you know, my first girlfriend, she had an attempt and I went around there and I basically had to save her and all these things. And it's all these moments in my life which kind of are being like, you know, a horrible, all you could say is one horrible thing and you can ruin someone's day, week, even their life. But doing something positive, it's it's so, um, it's so weird that people don't see that in the same way. You can have such a great effect. I mean, I've had friends of mine who said they've had a really down day and they've been like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, you know, end it or anything, those sort of thoughts. And they have one interaction with just a nice person and it just changes just that the whole day. And then if, if you can do enough of those, I mean, you, what a lot of people don't seem to be able to comprehend at the moment, and it's very frustrating at times, is that, you know, there are times, I'm not saying I'm nice all the time because I don't think that's potentially even possible for me, but right. I, I try to be as good and as positive as I can all the time. And if I'm ever, if I ever step out of line, I always apologize as quickly as I can, admit I'm wrong, you know, that sort of thing. But when people, when they have these down moments and these down days, if you can just be positive towards them and just be nice and do all these little things, you don't know the gravity of the situation, how many ripple effects you can change. And it's just, when you're horrible to someone, you don't feel good after that. If I'm ever awful to someone, I just feel horrendous. I feel like, you know, sluggish, like I'm hungover with emotion almost, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had this outburst of anger and I'm like, yeah, I told that person to go screw themselves and I feel great <laughs> now. It's never like that. It's like I told them to go screw themselves and now I feel rubbish and now they feel rubbish and now everyone just feels worse. And it, right. it, it does take time. So, you know, that, that message of positivity is so important. And it's one thing I try to keep clear with my podcast at all times is just, you know, one thing I, I'm not a religious individual. Um, I'm an atheist, but I, I I'm becoming more agnostic as I get older. Funnily enough, but one I, I went to Catholic school, uh, primary school, and um, so from <laughs> six to ten. And there's one thing that always stuck out with me um, when I went there was the most important message in all of history and anything has ever been written was just when Jesus said, love my neighbor. And it's literally, you don't need to be religious. You don't need to be anything. If you literally just say, right, if we all just love each other nicely, that will just solve every problem in right. the whole world. And it's just so, it's so crazy. And the irony in, in so many different ways of like people arguing in the religion about really minor things right. in religion. It's like, that's the, that's the only thing you really need per se, you know, anyone can practice uh, their spirituality or religiosity, however they like and however they choose, but everyone should just agree, love thy neighbor. That's it. That's, that should be the baseline for all people. You know, when I have kids, right. it'll be like, you know, just very simply don't be a dick. And that'd right. be it. And everything would be solved. You know what I mean? 
I love it. You know, you're so cute. We have a lot in common because I, uh, I was a Catholic. I'm not religious either. Um, mm. I'm spiritual and I have a relationship yeah. with the divine, but I'm not religious. I was a Catholic and I read for the Catholic church. I would read at the largest mass for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, a lot of things happen, right? You know, within the context of, you know, um, everything that's being disclosed about the Catholic church and my particular parish was one of those parishes where a lot of not nice things were happening to children. They actually made mm-hmm. a movie of the guy. Um, I think Ted Danton played the, the priest, uh, oh, wow. from my parish who did those things to those children. Right. But, um, so when you say that, I laugh because it's, I'm laughing because it's kind of funny how full circle, but you know, there, I agree with you. There are times when you actually do. And I, I like the word dick but you, when you actually do need to be a dick in some context, right? There are times there's most appropriate. Um, but I'm like you, sometimes I was, when I was younger, I'd go from zero to a hundred as uh, Drake would say real quick, right? I would go from zero to a hundred. And and I would yeah I told that so and so and blah 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 and I got this and blah. but you know I really I, after you know the adrenaline because you're all heated up and you got all this mm-hmm. adrenaline going right after that settled down I would be like oh dang I said some really bad not nice things you know and then I didn't feel good but of course I was never gonna admit that you know but I but internally I didn't feel good because I would say some really not nice things and whether I meant them or not the point of the matter was they were really not nice things. And so for me, it was so hard for me to flip it from going from automatically being negative and nasty with someone to be like, okay, I see you're having an issue today. I'm not going to let your issue or your perception of something incorrect perception affect me. So let me just step back before I respond, because if I don't step back, I'm going to respond. I'm going to, you know, revert to that younger Rochelle. Right. But if I step back and take a few moments and get centered and grounded and take a couple of deep breaths, you know, I'm able to respond in a more positive manner. It takes practice and it it definitely takes, you know, working that muscle, so to speak. But again, you just never know what you can say to someone and put a positive spin on it that could change you know, that person's way of thinking or what they do next or how they move forward or whatever. And so I I always try to keep that in mind um, because we already have so much negativity in the world, right? And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As always, part two will be released at the same time next week, which should be a Sunday evening if you're in the UK. If you're not in the UK, I can't explicitly say when you're going to have the episode, but if you're a regular listener, you should know. If you're not, then wait a week, and at the very most, you'll have the new episode. So, huzzah! Coming up in the coming weeks, um, I've got one podcast lined up for recording with the Comics in Motion podcast. Um, I actually guested on their show, uh, I think it was last week, um, we reviewed Dread together, the uh, the newer one, I think 2015, I might be wrong there, 2015, 2016? It could be even older than that, to be honest with you, it could be 2012, I don't know. But the newer Dread film with Carl Urban in it, we spoke about that and had a great old time doing it, so I'll include a link in the description, but you know, go check out Comics in Motion, um, I've played that promo on a few, on the few, I've 
played the promo on the show a couple of times. So yeah, they should be on the show uh, coming up uh, just to talk about a wide variety of things. So if you're a fan of Comics and Motion and you listen to this podcast, huzzah, double collaboration for you. Um, the other podcast I should be doing next week will be with an independent rapper from London. Um, I saw him live a little while ago and I'm quite excited to talk to him. He's a very interesting guy. Um, but just in case things don't happen, I'm not going to say their name. But yeah, a rapper because I've had a couple of other musicians on. So it's going to be interesting speaking to someone who is in a genre of music that I haven't explored on the podcast much. So be sure to look out for that. Um, after that, I've got a little bit of a break for like a week and then I've got another podcast due. And then I think I've got a podcast of almost every week for the next like two months. So, yeah, much to my girlfriend's dismay, I am very busy. I also do have a chat with Callum in the pipeline, as well as returning guest Goff of Beernuts Productions. I can say those two because, worst case scenario, they don't do it. Callum is a good friend of mine, so I'm sure I will get a podcast out of him eventually. Well, again, because he was on podcast number four, I think. And Goff from Beernuts, uh, he's a fantastic guy. Uh, I spoke with him quite a few podcasts ago, and he's got a new comedy thing out. So, you know, lots of crazy cool things going on. And I'm going to stop rambling, as anyone who listened to the show knows, uh, my outros, I almost never edit at all, so it's just basically cutting the silences down for me to think about nonsense to come out with, and letting it be just a rambly mess at the end, because, yeah, why not? What? Who needs quality when you've already listened and downloaded the episode, guys? So I've got you there. Anyway, um, thanks as always for listening, guys. I appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to follow on all the social media places. Instagram, I'm most active on with movie reviews. There's podcast snippets there's things of what i generally get up to occasional photos of food my story usually has food in it um and a few other things here and there twitter's about the community sharing other people's work that sort of jazz facebook is just quite low-key i think i just do movie reviews and snippets on there so you know whatever kind of platform you prefer i'm on those three if there are any others i'm not really on them i'm on snapchat myself but i don't th- I don't really send things out by Snapchat very often, so nothing exciting there. Anyway, guys, um, I appreciate each and every one of you listening. Any share, liking, talking to anyone about the show is incredibly appreciated. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Hello, Traveller. My name is Alton, and I'm the lead architect and game designer for Dimensions, the D6 RPG. I'm so excited to let you know that our Kickstarter is finally gone live and that you can not only support us, but also this show by checking us out in the link provided here in the description. I am so excited to see what you're able to do with our system, designed to help new players learn how to play and experienced players learn how to teach and enroll new players into the games that we love. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey, for supporting us and this program, and make sure to check us out at dimensions.games if you're looking for more information. With that being said, I look forward to joining you in Worlds Without End. Thank you.